I also think that there's a lot of greenwashing. So these manufacturers, they make you think that it is more sustainable or eco-friendly or greener than it is. And that's something that was a big learning. And I'm still learning, of course, but I was really taken back. And now I can identify it just walking through a Target. Like when I'm just walking through the lines, I'm like, oh, greenwashing, oh, greenwashing. Like, you know, I'm starting to really learn and know. And it doesn't have to be a value of your brand. Like you don't have to want that necessarily. But even the simple things like how you're shipping. That's something that every brand can step up and do. It's like how they say, if everyone does a little bit. Yeah, it goes a long (laughs) way. You know, I would like to see it. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, on to our show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City Roses, this is a broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we're excited to have Anne-Marie Lorenzini on our podcast. She is the CEO of Untamed Artistry, otherwise known as UA. Maybe you see that all over the web internet. We love to have Anne-Marie on. This is, I think, our second time we've had her. And she is really a wealth of great information and really been in the industry for a long time and does has done a lot like she is a real uh, mover and shaker in the sense that she has so much wide experience working in other brands working behind the scenes and working as a lash artist so her kind of experience is quite unique and today we're excited to have her come on and talk about really some of the new things that are coming up so we're going to talk about pre not new but just new developments and improvements so pre-mades tweezers we talk about free trade and working with ethical and environmental companies last trends and all that fun stuff so it's actually a really kind of wide swath that we run around bounce around and get kind of nerdy which is well that's the ua thing everyone knows ua and everyone knows that they're kind of like the nerd brand so i think emory personifies that quite well <laughs> so anyhow that said we're excited to have her on and talk to her but before that we have announcements All right, what do we have going on right now? Well, there's a lot, but the main focus, if you haven't been around or haven't been listening to our podcast lately, is we actually started LashCon ticket sales this week on Tuesday the 11th. It was actually a very exciting day. And right now I can report that we have like 540 people who bought tickets. And when you add the sponsors and you add the speakers and the volunteers and the speakers and the staff, we have almost a thousand people coming right now. Now, last year 
between the time we started ticket sales and we got the last one, we sold almost 500 more, four or 500 more tickets. So we expect easily, it's looking good. Like we're going to probably hit that thousand mark of a thousand tickets sold. Last year we sold a little over 700 and then we ended up with, you know, like 620, 630 came to the conference. And this year I would be shocked if we didn't at least get 900 and I'm hoping for, I'm aiming for that thousand. And by the way, if you're listening to this on Friday, which hopefully this comes out on Friday, this is your last chance to get the little bonus that we had on the ticket. We were giving away a freebie where you can take our class where we teach you how to get your clients to fire themselves um, by enforcing your boundaries. And secondly, we are going to do two free coaching sessions. So we're going to set them up where you can come in, hang out with us. It'll probably be a couple hours, two, three hours. We'll just kind of leave it open-ended. As long as people have questions, we'll sit there and answer them and help you with your business. And that's just a free add-on, two of them, over the next couple of months. So if you were thinking, like, I want to get my ticket, buy it today. Like, go right now if you're listening. Stop what you're doing. Go buy the ticket. You can get the most value today. And also, we right now have a six-month payment plan. It said five months. It actually turns out I made a mistake. So it's a six-month payment plan. How about that? A little bonus by me not really knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> so that said, it's a six-month payment plan. That will end soon. That is not indefinite. We'll be going to a five-month plan in the next week or two, and then it will continue to shrink as we move through the time. And also prices do go up in the end of May. So if you were thinking you're on the fence, don't wait. You get all the bang for your buck, best payment plan this week, as well as the bonus. And that's only if you're going to see this on Friday, and that would be April 14th. Okay, so after that, it's that bonus is gone. Anyhow, that said... Hopefully you are planning on coming. There's a lot to go on with that. We have add-ons. If you haven't added that on and you bought your ticket, you should go back. We'll, we'll help you get more information on that later. But let's real quickly, what's going on? Oh, we're going to be in Orlando, June 3rd through the 5th. I will announce the speaker lineup real soon. I'll try to make sure there's a link in the bio in the show notes that will let you see what's going on, and you can go see who's speaking then. We also have our party. We're going to be announced or start selling those at Lash Boss Summit next weekend. So if you want to plan on getting your tickets, we have about 225 tickets we can sell for that party. That's at the IBS show on June 25th. And, of course, we still have Tustin's three classes on lash retention. And if you want to improve your retention in your styling and throw out your lash maps and get four-week retention, well, May 6th and 7th, we're in New York, just a couple, few weeks. We're going to be in Austin at Shelby's Place on June 17th and 18th. And then Honolulu, ticket sales for that are not up yet, but that's July 8th and 9th. And that should be up real soon. All right, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Now let's get to our interview where we sit down with Marie and talk about our lash industry. Hey, smart cookies. I'm so glad to have you guys listening today. We are here in studio with a good friend. She is the CEO of Untamed Artistry, Anne-Marie Lorenzini. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure. She's a returning guest too, so that's actually very exciting to have Anne-Marie back for that. <laughs> and we thought we'd just have Anne-Marie on to check us. UA is definitely one of our favorite brands. We've always had a lot of kinship with this brand. And for the main reason is because I think we see the industry kind of a similar point of view, that it's a, a place of abundance. It's a place where we can share and support each other and not be threatened by ideas or trying new things and definitely wanting to always know the why behind everything. Like, you know, not just accepting the status quo, but always <laughs> saying, why is it that way? Why is it not something else? So, well, yeah. another thing that I just love about you is the generosity and that comes from the top down. Um, the willingness to share and just to give knowledge freely um, is, is a hallmark of your corporation. And I just love that. 
Oh, thank you so much. That's something that when Cheryl started Untamed Artistry that she really wanted to put in place and something that I aligned really well with. So it was just a, for me like a match made to join Untamed Artistry because the brand itself aligns so much with my values. And like you said, like we're all very like-minded with how we see the industry and what we want to do and how we want to give back to it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So before we get into it today, um, we have an idea of what we're going to talk about, but I do want people to get to know a little bit about your background and all that, because I know a lot of people over the years have equated UA with Cheryl, but there's been a pivot and a change in the company. And really, you're the one now running pretty much everything over there because you're, you're, you're the CEO. So <laughs> I wanted to maybe let people know a little bit about your background just so they can, in case they didn't already know about you, which they probably do, but just in case some of our newbies out there can hear about your background and how you got to UA. Sure. So I started in the beauty industry in 2007 and started doing lashes in 2012. And from there, I really started in the lash industry behind the scenes in product development, education, quality control, really just corporate office which is a little unique. I find yeah. that most artists, maybe they're in the beauty industry and then they're like just doing solo things. Maybe they're joining with a brand. Who knows? It's hard to say. But I started with a brand. And then at that point, I started getting really into education. I was in a bad car accident that had me kind of leave the corporate world and explore doing lashes independently. That was a pretty cool journey. That was something that I didn't really know firsthand because when I did it, it was on such a corporate level. And that is such a difference. So after that point, I started getting into doing independent education and I started connecting with a lot of different brand owners and amazingly talented artists in the industry just through Instagram, sliding in their DMs, if you will. And I got to know Cheryl. We started talking about education and giving away free adhesive education. She was working really hard on developing an adhesive at the time to solve her own personal issue of retention. And she did just that. She launched an adhesive name, Retention. And so, you know, we had developed this working relationship and she got to a point where she was like, hey, like, I really want to bring someone into the company. So we were talking about it and I joined and now she's since had a beautiful baby girl and she is full time motherhood. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So I'm here to just keep like support Untamed Artistry and keeping her dream alive with the brand, keep moving it forward. And it's been an incredible opportunity for me. So much support. She lets me kind of take the reins, try new ideas and go with it. And I, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, in fact, I'd say your journey or industry is by far one of the most distinct and unique. I don't think I've oh, met anyone you. who has gone your pathway. I think the traditional for almost everyone out there is to go into the industry, be a lash artist, and eventually maybe join a company, you know, in right. some way. But you come with the other way, <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> which is really unique and makes you very special. So I think that's kind of cool. And I think it lets people know that there are many, many ways to live and operate in this industry it is not yes. just a, I'm a lash artist for the rest of my life. In fact, I just talked to the last artist there day and she's been working solo for four or five years. And she was just like, yeah, it's, it's kind of lonely. It's kind of uh, every day. I just spend all by myself. So there are other opportunities. There's other things you could like, Amory, begin to DM and get to be friends with brands. You never know what might come out of that. You may find yourself not just being a brand ambassador, but maybe coming on this team and help working that company in some role. Because a lot of these companies have everything from marketing to product development to fulfillment to customer service. 
There's many, many different departments. So anyhow, there's so a little, many. A and we're like-minded in that. Like everyone's success is as individual and unique as they are. And I feel like the industry at one point was kind of pushing that once you got to a certain skill level, you need to have staff, you need to train, you need to have a brand, you need to do all these things. And that's one thing that I personally push and Untamed Artistry is a huge supporter of is you can do what you want. If you want to be a lash artist and you're really good at lashing, that does not mean you have to do anything more. If you want Thank something you. different, you can do something different. And I like that. Thank I also you. like that, you know, we're trying to tell people you don't have to do this alone. You mentioned that loneliness. Like, mm -hmm. why is our industry teaching you learn lashes and you got to go do it alone? Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to the salon feel? Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, even if you're all booth renting, but you're in the same salon, you still have that sense of community. Yeah. It's such a beautiful thing. So I'm curious to see how the industry kind of shifts with that because I hear a lot about being lonely in this industry. I think where this happened and where it started is, is just because it's so new and anything new, you're having to establish a beachhead. If we're talking about war, there's no campground, you know, uh, you have to establish the beachhead, you have to clear everything out and it's all brand new. So there's nobody, anybody who's interested in it, they only have one kind of model to follow. And that's somebody who's doing lashes by themselves. And now we're seeing, you know, as the industry grows and develops, we're seeing more salons and things like that. But I love the idea that you do not have to hire staff and establish people underneath you. That's kind of what we've seen. But for you, I mean, you could go into leadership. You can go into our research and development. There's other things that you can do. I'm glad that the industry is maturing a bit. So it doesn't have to look like um, there's just so many opportunities. I just heard or met with someone recently while we were at the premiere show. And someone who is a trainer in a lash company, she loves working in a company. She was like, mm. I wouldn't want to go work for myself again. <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs have ADHD, I think. I think it's just like one of those yeah. traits that, that, that shiny object syndrome goes hand in hand with that desire to work and build and do something. But the problem with ADHD and being easily distractible is... And artistic. And artistic. It's you don't get a lot done. You know, you just start a lot of stuff, but you don't finish a lot of things. And I think that's a problem if you want to make a living. <laughs> it's like, if you want to make money, you got to finish some things. And so working in a company can give you that structure, can give you that kind of oversight, give you that accountability. And so I think for a lot of people out there who are feel, maybe right now are listening are going, well, yeah, I am not getting a lot done. Yeah, I, I, I want to build my own training program or I want to do this or that, but I just can't seem to get it done. Maybe the best thing for you to do is go apply and work in a company and say, you know what? Let them give you the structure. Let them give you the guidance. You work for someone like Anne-Marie has been in this industry for you know, 10, 12 years. You know, she has a lot of wisdom, a lot of ideas. And if you're just been in this for a year or two and you're already like lost, don't know what to do next, there's people that are way further down the road who would love to come alongside and bring you on. I'm not saying Amory's hiring right now, but I am saying that <laughs> you never know. You develop those relationships. That's why you go to conferences. That's why you go to LashCon. That's why you go and you listen to podcasts and DM and do Instagram because you're going to create those networks and those connections. And then out of those will come opportunities to potentially work and find different career paths. I love that. It's so, so true. And I think that another big thing that I'm loving is conferences, the connection, the community. And before it's like, yeah, you could slide in the DMs. And at that point when I was doing that, it was still like some of the 
brand owners managing their DMs. They since have teams. Yeah. So it's changed a little bit. So a great way to connect with brand owners, other artists, and you never know where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Like I connected with Mo and Shelby and so many other beautiful artists in the industry many years before we even collaborated or did anything. Yeah. So a great way to do that now is through conferences. And that's something that I'm really happy to see in the industry the past few years is the Lash Conference because it's bringing together not just artists, but brands too. Mm-hmm. And from the brands, we can all come together and we can help make big changes in this industry that we just couldn't do individually as a single brand. So it's even bigger than you can even imagine. So I'm really thankful that you guys are doing this and pushing for Lash Conference and also happy it's in October this year too. That's just a random <laughs> side note, yeah. you know, popped in the brain. A lot of people have said that say. by the way. A lot of people are like, I like October better than November pre- yeah, pre-Christmas yeah. and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Black Friday and all that craziness. Yeah. I'm really excited. One thing I was going to say that I want to point out that was great for brands at LashCon. I, I know of two brands that had a, a falling out and we didn't know about this. And then we put them next to each other. Whoopsie. <laughs> and I thought that was going to be, a, I later That's found great. out. They It was after the fact I found out, but they said they actually were able to reconcile and connect and work oh. through that issue because they were next to each other. And it, it was kind of too embarrassing just to be like, I'm going to ignore you. And not talk to you. Yeah, there was a lot of healing that went on yeah. in that. There was apologies, healing. heartfelt sincerity, like I made a misstep. I'm sorry, I did this. But on both sides. And that was a beautiful thing. You know, yeah. it's like they were forced to work it out. Yeah, and not that we try to go out and find brands that are fighting and put them together. <laughs> but it, it was it was a beautiful to see that. And it only wow. happens because of the connection. Because when you're separate, and we are most of the time working separate, you don't have those opportunities to connect to find out what's going on or to really hear people. It's hard. It's easy to be mad at someone and text them or email them and say, you're a jerk. I really hate you. It's another <laughs> thing to see them face to face and go, I hate, uh, I can't say that. I can't oh, really tell you. I got to talk to you and listen, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm just so impressed by the event. It's really taken off. And I mean, goodness, I love that, that toss you said healing. Yeah. I think it's also healing for the individual artists. The stories that I hear um, at the booth or just walking around are incredible. You know, everyone's looking for exactly where their sense of self is within this industry. You know, it's provided so many women just the opportunity to have schedule flexibility, to have some financial freedom. And you get to hear these stories. And I think it's really, really cool. You know, it's a place where you're going to laugh. You might cry. You're going to learn. You're going to have fun. You know, it's really just incredible. It's like you have to experience it to really know what it means. Like last year. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible time. That is like a memory that will last me like an entire lifetime. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Hopefully we're going to make a lot more of those memories this year. Yes, let's do it. And we will continue. It's kind of like the Matrix, right? You can't really explain the Matrix. You just have to experience experience the Matrix to know what it is. (laughs) Well, people like to come to LashCon because they're looking for trends, like what's happening, what's new on the horizon. And every brand that comes has a different vision for what's new. And like they're usually like debuting some new products or new ways of doing things or new training. Um, So it's really kind of neat to stir the imagination and see what can possibly happen. So kind of want to tap into tap into what you're thinking as the CEO and the brains behind Untamed Artistry. What do you guys see is coming down the pike? You guys obviously are in touch more than we are, I think, because you have people buying from every day. So you're always interacting and talking customer service, dealing with problems and issues. So can you give us the scoop? What's coming down the pike? (laughs) Sure. I think that one of the biggest things is the love for pre-maids. Pre-maids have come a long, long way. I called it many years ago. We're like, these are going to get better. They will. It's (laughs) 
just the natural progression. And there's a lot of pushback because there's a lot of artistry in making fans. But at the same time, I really going to admit this on this podcast. I'm yeah. only using pre-mades at this point. That's tough too. <laughs> Very rarely am I like hand making anything. I go to hand make and I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone take my tweezer away from me. I just cannot. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm really, really enjoying that. And that allows us to really expand into like a different creative outlet to create these sets, to save our customers on some time. I'm having great longevity with them and they're staying beautiful throughout the whole time. You know, consistency. Um, I mean, I'm loving them. So I'm seeing that is being a huge product shift. There's also innovation in tweezers coming out. Oh, really? Like micro grip tweezers, the diamond, you know, those things have kind of been out, but they're changing a little bit. They're elevating. They're actually holding. They're actually smooth where if you touch your finger on it, they're not cutting you. You know, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of just quality improvements in the tweezer industry, I would say. Let's bounce back before because yeah. I, I like to talk about pre-mades and then we'll talk about tweezers yeah, to go a little it. more in depth. So the big thing when pre-mades, why they were a big pushback where there's two. One, the initial pre-mids did kind of suck. <laughs> they yeah, weren't very good. They didn't hold their sure. boxy, <laughs> glue. And they didn't hold their curl, right? Gunky. They flatten out. Gunky. And I remember that you being like, ah, they come back and their lashes were like literally straight lines. Like that's Ugh. not going to work. Right. But also the other one was, and I saw this from trainers. And I knew this was going to be a big pushback because trainers like, hell no, no one's going to do pre-mids because truth is in the back of their mind, there's two reasons I'll say. One, they're a purist, right? It's just like anything you like, once you, this is how I learn, do volume. It has to be this way. And also, I actually think a lot of people were threatened by their pocketbooks. Oh, for sure they were. Crap, if everyone's doing pre-mades, they're like, ah, I'm not going to have anyone taking my volume class anymore. I heard it said over the weekend, um, one of the speakers said, you know, they're afraid they're going to take your bread away, your sustenance, right? And I think that they were afraid that they were going to lose their means to make a living, and that's teaching volume. But I think this industry is big enough. There's the demand is great enough. There's so many eyes. There's so many people that can still continue to feed the need, no matter what you want to do. Yeah. So there's no danger of us not being able to support ourselves by doing lashes. In and any people way. still have to learn how to do lashes. Exactly. It's not like you get pre-mades and you just automatically know. It's not, they're still learning. Right. The, the, <laughs> making the fan was just one step. It's just one thing. The real work is the artistry, right? The, how you design the, the eye and how you build it and, and all that type of stuff. That's more about where the artistry is than just, okay, I make my fan through the pinch method, through the bouquet method, through the, you know, on the, on the strip. You know, there's all these different ways. Great, fine. But that's not what makes you a lash artist. I hope not. Mm -hmm. If that's all it is, then it's a very simple definition of a lash artist. I make a volume. Right. <laughs> it's so much more. It's a full experience too. And I think mm -hmm. that we forget that. Like we're applying lashes, we're creating beautiful sets, but it's so much more than that when you expand beyond it and you start providing that like actual experience for a customer too. So it's just one part of what we do. Exactly. Yeah. So are you seeing more diversity in your sales? Like people are, are buying more of the pre-mades now than they are in the, the volume, the, the, and the all volume that, yeah. lash. Can you share oh, a little absolutely. bit Absolutely. And I was looking at even a report from Bella Lash that they put out because they always do a year-end report and they're showing that even for them, they're having a huge jump in artists who are using pre-mades. I mean, it went up to being like 50% or something crazy. So it's just really is moving forward in that capacity. Now there's always going to be the artists who like to hand make and that's a beautiful thing, but pre-mates have gotten really good. And, you know, we were able to really try to think through innovation as far as like price point, because that was the other pushback is pre-mades are expensive and we want to keep a good profit. So we ended up making it where we're offering triple the amount of pre-mades and the price is the same. That's crazy. That's so crazy. we're able to keep the costs low. 
And that's just through different innovations of how the product is, just so many things. So it's coming down. And I'm curious to see, because that's just the start. In a couple of years, I think they'll be even cheaper. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. When we were in England, one of the things that we were super surprised at is that our lash sisters over there, the premates are not really embraced. Yeah. Wow. In fact, I think it's all Europe. It's not embracing premates. And there's a, uh, we think we know the good reason. So if you yeah, want. the price point for what a lash artist can make or charge in the UK and in Australia is a lot less like than substantially, like substantially half. The, I think, like less. I say, almost half the price of what we can charge in the United States. Like unless you're maybe in Utah. fifty dollars for a <laughs> fill. I mean, and this mm-hmm. is like. Top of the line. Yeah, you these know, are people. top artists. There's other artists out there doing it for twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Well, pounds there, but it's that's it works out to be about like you know thirty five, forty dollars for a fill, which is crazy, right? And volume lashes are cheaper to get by. The box of volume is a lot cheaper than buying a box of pre-made. So they equate sure. that and say, well, I'll just stay with the volume because I can't afford to go out and spend like in the United States. It could be twenty, thirty, forty dollars for a tray a of lashes, of lashes yeah. you know so i'm really glad to hear that your price point is is really attractive anyway i think that by offering the pre-made the thing is that the service can go so much faster those pre-made fans cover a multitude of sins and they're fabulous i would love mm-hmm. our sisters overseas to be able to experience that well, time is money and that's the thing right you can trade your time for money so you can do a, a new set faster with pre-made than you can with volume so if you charge, let's say it takes you two hours to do a, a, a full a new set with volume, or let's say three hours for volume, but you can do it in two hours with pre-mades and you charge the same price. Let's just say you're charging $300 for a three-hour set. Well, that's 100 bucks an hour. If you move it to two hours, you're now getting 150 bucks an hour. You just gave yourself a huge income boost by doing pre-mades, which will make up the difference for the higher cost and the actual right. lashes themselves because you can get more clients in, you charge more per hour. So it's actually a net positive. It, it can be. It doesn't So do you guys target people overseas or offer your products across the pond? We do. Oh, yes. that's great. Definitely. Is it, is so it a separate wanna... website or? No. So it's the same website. It's going to automatically redirect to the website that it needs to be at. And then, you know, we're working on different shipping cost options. We do have some international like resellers too. So depending on the country, like some of our products are already in different countries, which is pretty yeah. cool to see. That's so great. we do offer, we do ship, we try our best because some countries it's expensive to ship there. Mm-hmm. It truly is. So like Russia, it's something <laughs> right? honestly, it is, it just gets expensive. It's like, yeah. goodness gracious, but we do. And I think that anyone who's established, like they usually order a little bit more. So it kind of works out so that the shipping doesn't seem like such a shock. It's a difference when you order one tweezer and you're spending like $45 on shipping. Oh, it's like, yeah. whoa, yeah. but when you, you know, when you spend a little more, it's not so bad, but I think it's a great way for people to try the product. I know there is a need over in, I would say Europe in general to have quality products. There are good products out there, but part of maybe why they're not embracing pre-mades is it hasn't reached over there yet. Yeah. Maybe the pre-mades are using our, our, a different quality. Maybe Maybe it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. So, all right. So we talked about pre-mades and then you said the thing that's changed is you've seen some changes in tweezers. Is this something you're Mm -hmm. seeing just with what you guys are doing or you're watching other companies and you're seeing kind of a similar trend where they're making some of these changes? bit of both ish e okay. okay so there's yeah. certain things i'm noticing that we're doing because tweezers are like my baby okay. <laughs> and now pre-mates have become my baby too yeah but i'm noticing just like a more increased quality of tweezer 
Mm. kind of coming out. I'm seeing brands that are even selling tweezers for $100 a tweezer now. And that Holy used mackerel. to be kind of slim, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, is it really worth the hype? Well, of course, I want to add to my million tweezer collection. Yeah. They're worth the hype now. You know, they're okay. really starting to come out. Now, do you have to spend that? Not necessarily. But if you're still hand making and you're trying to make like a perfect 10D fan, like with the Russian volume techniques, yeah, you're going to need a really good quality tweezer. Now, pre-made, you might just need an average quality tweezer yeah, because it's less. just yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, you can get away with a little bit different, but I'm noticing just more precision in the tips, better welding around the edge of the tweezer. And then even with the, I was talking about like micro grip and like the different diamond like tips oh, and I all those things. The grip and the yeah. Oh my gosh. I love the micro grip. That has been game changing. Something that we are launching within just a couple of weeks are actually isolation tweezers with the micro grip too. We have some volume tweezers out, but we're finding that people are wanting them to like pinch and like help peel remove and really get a good grip at times. And they're incredible. I was like, this is so neat to do and to try and kind of a challenge because isolation tweezers are so slim. How are we going to add a better grip? So those are some things we're doing internally, but I'm seeing that the industry itself is doing these things in a different capacity too. Like we're looking at what we need for our customer and what we think is going to push the industry forward. But it's really always exciting to me to see what everyone else is doing too. So let's talk a little bit about this micro grip and what it is. I have long used tweezers that have been coated with the diamond coating on the inside, which adds just a little bit more grip. So if you think about like a nail file, one of the metal ones that has the diamond stuff coated on the outside, it's very similar to that. But the, for the tweezer, it's a lot finer. So what it does is it just prevents, you know, when you go to grab a lash and sometimes it slips and then you end up pulling the client's lash and they're like, ow, right? Mm. What these diamond grip does is that it, it prevents that from happening. And I know that there's new technologies available where it's not just made from the diamond coating, but there's like sometimes the manufacturer will put grooves made into the tweezer. Teeth. <laughs> whatever i'm just saying they grind the teeth up and then they put it in there yeah, dust? yeah, yeah okay so, no yeah. no they they can put grooves into the tweezer i don't know if you can talk about what kind of micro grip you guys have so ours isn't like a coating on top like that diamond coating that you're mentioning it's definitely like little grooves, grooves but they're yeah. so so thin like you we yeah. have pictures on our website too so you can see that side by side comparison and it's really unique because at first because oh my goodness i was looking at tweezer development probably back in 2012, 2013, when I first entered the industry, they were so rough. You're like, what are you using this on? You know, just the default that tweezer manufacturers were making. But, you know, through actual product development, you can work with these manufacturers to improve upon something and get it really fine, get it really nice. And that's the part that I really like, because there's such a difference in the industry of like, Here's something that a manufacturer is offering and then actually working with your manufacturer. And that's a whole different process. So we're trying to make it really, really fine. We wanted to make sure that it was all within the actual like grip of the tweezer and it's not cut or like chipped along the edge. Because then you start getting those like metal shards and it starts to be kind of rough. Mm. You don't want to accidentally like draw blood on your hand if you like touch your tweezer, right? Yeah. So no. all these things like require a lot of attention to detail when you're trying to innovate or push a product forward, even if, you know, you're seeing that it kind of existed in a capacity, but you're wanting to improve upon it. So, you know, I don't know, just kind of thinking through all the different details of what we're putting out and we're trying to be extremely 
thoughtful with what we're doing. So you mentioned like some of these choosers are, can be like $100, you know, like what's the price, right? Because to, to the naked eye, they look the same, right? But I know mm-hmm. that the consistency, the metal that go into choosing a tweezer are a factor of the price. Like I know that mm-hmm. cobalt is a stronger metal that is harder to warp. Like if you drop it, then there's like titanium and which is super strong. You know, there's also ceramic ones. I don't think any of us is, are using ceramic, but I know. And, but then you don't want it to be too heavy. Right. So sometimes manufacturers will will cut holes to lessen the weight of that. Is there any like little details or juicy bits that you can talk about the kind of metal it, it is or any unique features like that? So for us, like we want to keep our price point more on that affordable side the best we can. And that's with a volume tweezer at $55. And I know some stylists listening are going to say, whoo, to even that. So, but when we're seeing tweezers upwards of a hundred, we kind of really are in that middle point. So we're using like a Japanese steel, which is good quality. Now, if you drop a tweezer with how fine we're trying to get those points, Oh, you know, that's who knows, hit or miss. I've dropped the tweezers plenty of times, no issues. And then other times I barely just knock it and I'm like, what happened? (laughs) Completely warped, goes into the bin. Yes, exactly. So that's where we're at with it. A big push that we've been doing is working on fair trade practices too, just making Mm. sure that the manufacturing process is kind to the employees, not exploiting the employees, paying them properly. And that's something that I want to talk about more through Untamed Artistry because we're doing a lot of that behind the scenes and definitely is affecting the profit margin because it's doing the right thing. And we didn't want to like increase the price, right? So we could have done that, but we're like, you know what? We need to look at this a different way. These people are like making these products for us and it's helping us have good livelihoods. Why aren't they being so mistreated. So we started diving into that, especially with tweezer manufacturers. That's a difficult one. We're very, very lucky with who we're working with. And the fact that they will innovate, they will make custom molds for us. They will keep the quality where we want it. And they're open to training. They're open to a ton of things. So it's really collaborative. So I think I get more excited about that part of it too. And they do try to bring different like steels to us. They try to show us all these different metals, like all these things, but we have to think and stay in our lane of like, what are we developing and why? Because it's very easy to be like, oh, all of this is really cool. Right. But it's got to be something that's going to work well for our audience, be practical and try to keep it as affordable as we can. For sure. For you with fair trade, which is interesting because I think that's going to be Talking about trending, I know we've seen some businesses really say we need to be more environmentally friendly, and I see, I think, more companies moving that direction, but we haven't really heard companies talking about fair trade because, well, we're dealing with China. (laughs) We're dealing with countries where fair trade, Pakistan, we're we're dealing with countries that aren't known for great worker rights and great working environments. So I think this is great. I'm glad to hear you guys are on this, and, and I love this topic because I think it's something that really needs to be discussed more. How are you going about that? I mean, I, obviously, it just sounds like a newer thing for you, so I, you maybe haven't all figured out, but I guess how are you approaching this? How do you vet? Are there societies, organizations that help you to look into this and find out what companies are doing and, and behind the scenes and all that? I will say that like when we did our sustainability launch, that meant more than eco-friendly for us. We were thinking about treating the planet fairly and people fairly. So that's really when we started getting into it with our lash manufacturer, our old one. All of a sudden, like a big chunk of their team quit. That was making the lashes that people loved a new UA for. We're like, hmm, why? (laughs) You know, we're starting to question, why is that? What's happening? And starting to look into it. And we realized like we were no longer going to give them any money and we don't know the full extent but we just knew it wasn't right and so yeah yeah, so then like you mentioned like you can find companies that are going to help you find 
you know, manufacturers, for example, that are treating their employees fairly. There are different certifications these manufacturers have that are pretty prestigious and it's pretty cool to see. It's what you're looking for. Now, I would love for the company to be like fully fair trade certified. I don't know if we're there yet. It's going to be quite the process to be analyzed on that way. Are there companies that do that, by the way? Are there yes. agencies? Yeah. There are agencies. They go into countries and they vet the country or look for best practices. And then they come back and you can list like they no children are working here. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're doing good wages that match the national average. Obviously, you're not going to give someone 15 bucks an hour working in Cambodia because that's right. like people make three bucks a day on average in Cambodia. <laughs> it's like, I've been actually told they like, get to be careful not to overpay too. Cause it really can destroy the economy in some weird ways, which we won't get into now. So I'm just really intrigued by this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly like keeping it simple that, you know, they're looking around, they're making sure that everyone's treated fairly, the working hours, the conditions, everything is good. And it's really cool. Cause you start to see these certifications that certain manufacturers have, but then you want to do your due diligence and make sure they're actually living up to that. With all of our manufacturers, we can show up at like any point, any time for a blind like assessment if we want like they can just walk in and check so cool yeah we love to see it so the thing with getting like a thousand percent i'm saying a thousand not even just a hundred a thousand percent yeah fair trade certified is all the way back to those raw materials it mm. goes really deep oh, so yeah, yeah. that has been quite the experience and the journey and i have just absolutely loved it is it something that the lash artist is really going to know or maybe even necessarily care about in their business? Hard to say, but we do want to see just the world be a kinder place. Yeah. So this is like one way that we're able to do it. You know, we're helping lash artists build a beautiful like foundation for their families. And then we want to help others as well who are making those products for us. So it's a pretty neat process, I would say. It does cost quite a bit more on your products though. Yeah, it, the cost gets passed down. And that's also another place to deal with is you have to but the North Korea comes becomes part of the conversation because I know a, a large, not a large, but part of our industry, depending on, and I don't know if you guys have this, but I know some companies source their stuff from North Korea where the materials are made and then they go to China and then they assemble it and then they comes here to the United States. So that can be problematic for people. You because if wait. it's in the supply chain, uh, there's certain American laws that don't look favorably upon some of the business practice of the, of the North Koreans business like with loans and things like that they can shut that down if they think that you're doing business with North Korea yeah we knew a company that literally they had to close their bank account with the bank because they thought they actually thought it's really really crazy and we may have gotten the story a little bit wrong but they thought that they were working in conjunction with North Korea and there are turns some, out they, they, they were they weren't but the bank was too concerned about that saying we can't have you working with North Korea there's too much conflict of interest and issues with the government so you can't bank with us anymore Dang. and they had to move them on so that was the last company they had to because deal with the that. bank gets penalties from the government yeah. if they know that they're doing money is you know, going into North Korea so it's somehow. like a trickle-down effect <laughs> wow interesting so it's like just a whole nother dynamic to consider because like you said you know raw materials are coming out of North Korea or hopefully somehow South Korea, but they're coming out Korea, yeah, coming, <laughs> you know, yeah, both North so, and South. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like really understanding where they're coming from and those practices. So that's where the fair trade thing gets really, really interesting to mm. me is just all the way back to those like raw materials. So it's like, okay, yay, you made it. Someone who's assembling your product, they're being treated well, but what about the people who are like getting those raw, raw, raw materials? Oh, maybe not. So that's been a pretty cool journey. And you know, what we tried to do too is we didn't want to raise the prices of the products to our customer. 
So even though our cost went up and then we're being eco-friendly, so there's your cost going up too, because yeah. you're trying to have good quality print processes that aren't harmful to the environment and not just like, oh, it's paper. No, it's not mm -hmm. just paper. It's how is this paper sourced? Where's the paper sourced from? How is it being manufactured? What adhesives being used on that box? Like all these things that we're thinking of. So the cost does go up. Didn't want to pass that on to the customer. So it's kind of a cool thing. It's a little different. It's unique. It's, I don't want to call it like a sacrifice. That sounds ridiculous, but it's something that the company had to think about. It's like, do we want to go up? Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely an investment. An investment. It's kind of like, sure. I think about eggs. You go to the market and you have so many choices with eggs. You can buy just regular eggs and pay maybe three or $4 a dozen, mm -hmm. or you can go for the organic cage-free pasture raised ethically treated eggs that are going to cost you like eight or nine dollars for that dozen and for the people that it's a value for they're happy to pay that because they know that it that those eggs align with their values sometimes in terms of money if you're on a tight tight budget you can maybe only get like the cage-free or maybe mm -hmm. you know you get the organic or you don't get the organic but you get the cage-free so you make these compromises but having it as a on offering that it's one of your choices, I think is wonderful. I think people are willing to pay more for organic or for healthy or for they are. environmentally friendly. People are more than ever conscious of those things and they're wanting to support companies. Or do the do, right thing. Do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great to see you guys move that way and double your prices. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> double the price. Oh, goodness. $40 lash trays. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> it's all about, uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I, we did raise the lash trays like a dollar or two, you know, nothing too crazy. But we tried to see where could we save other costs that we don't have to pass on that like higher cost to the customer. And so that has been, I will say, like on the nerdy side of being the CEO is like getting into those analytics and looking at that type of stuff. Like where can we save other money? And sometimes that's in things that were actually wasteful too. Like what all are you putting in your package that you're shipping to your customer? So, you know, when we take a look at all of that really analytically, I'm hoping that it's going to balance out exactly like we're wanting it to. And I'm hoping other brands join on. I'm hearing rumors that there are a few other big brands that are moving towards being more sustainable and just simple things. Even if it starts with their shipping practices, maybe it's starting with like lash tray packaging, you know, just something. So I'm really looking forward to that because I think to myself, like, how cool if the lash industry brands all come together and do this and we're like, hey, beauty industry, what's your problem? Mm -hmm. Like us, the lash industry, we were able to figure it out. Like, you know, how impactful could that be to moving the whole beauty industry towards being kinder to the planet and to other people? That would be incredible. Yeah, it'd be wonderful to cut to a few years from now. And literally, there's no plastic being used other than the lashes. <laughs> right, but, right. But we had to find those biodegradable lashes. I actually have heard of some people working on that. So we'll see right, how that goes. But that said, it'd be interesting to see like, yeah, we've eliminated plastic. It's not one of our things. Everything and I think, like you said, even more important, so it's not just that it's not plastic, but the way it's sourced, the way it's put together and all mm -hmm. that. There's a, there's a lot behind the scenes. And this is something I think that people who are like, oh, I want my own last brand. If you really <laughs> want to do it right, you got to realize there's a lot more involved than just buying from some guy in China, slapping your logo on it and selling it on eBay or Amazon, right? There's so much mm -hmm. more involved. If you want to be, I think, an ethically responsible company that is doing the right thing for the long term, not just trying to make money today so I can make a few bucks, but something that you can be sustainable. And I think the, the more tone deaf people are to these things, those companies will do less and less business in the year because as things go on, I think people are, are just much more, I mean, our old, middle child is obsessed with the environment. That is all he cares about. 
And so, and I think that is growing more and more. Even people who were naysayers, like it's no big deal, are beginning to say, yeah, maybe it's a big deal. Especially, even if you don't even worry about the, like, let's say environmental, but just the studies on microplastic and all the stuff mm-hmm. that's coming out there in the oceans, filling up with crap. It's just, it's, we're at a tipping point where we just all have to get on and, and start doing the right thing. Otherwise, I think um, money is not, is no longer the driving force, hopefully. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So it's, and by the way, and I still once in a while see a brand come out and they're just, they don't get it. That's not their values yet. And I'm like, wow, right. I'm just so like everything's plastic. Everything's you know? still hardcore right. plastic and just totally committed to the plastic model. And I'm like, I don't get that. It's <laughs> definitely interesting. I also think that there's a lot of greenwashing. So these manufacturers will also try to say, Hey, this is actually made from this or, you know, it's, yeah. they make you think that it is more greener. sustainable or eco-friendly or greater than it is. And that's something that was a big learning. And I'm still learning, of course, but I was really taken back. And now I can identify it just walking through a Target. Like when oh, I was really? walking through the lines, I'm like, oh, greenwashing, oh, green. Like, you know, I'm starting to really learn and know. And it doesn't have to be a value of your brand. Like you don't have to want that necessarily. But even the simple things like how you're shipping. That's something that every brand can step up and do. It's like how they say, if everyone does a little bit. Yeah, it goes a long <laughs> you know, way. I would like to see it. Could you give us a couple ideas of what to look out for in terms of like shipping? Like what are some of the things that would be indicative of greenwashing? Sure. So sometimes it'll be the cardboard box, but it has like a bit of a plastic coating over it. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, hold on a second. So it'll be like, oh, this was remade with recycled materials, but now it's no longer recyclable because they're doing different things to it. There's one common thing we see the, and you know, we all love a luxury package. When we get it, we open it, we get all the cool little parts, we get like the sticker and we get the paper and we get like, you know, everything that's in there. But are all those elements actually eco friendly? Are they actually necessary? They do provide an experience, but this is where we start to think. And even brands like Dior, you can now opt for a green package. So you can actually still have a pretty cool experience, but everything in there is more eco-friendly versus like that full unboxing. So when you're getting to the point as a lash artist, your first order with a brand, cool, you really want that. Eventually you're just restocking once you love a brand. Do you really need all those elements? Do you really need all those extra postcards? You know, things like that, I think are simple within the shipping that can be changed. And even the stickers, changing your stickers that you're putting on the outside of the box to being an eco-friendly sticker pretty cool versus it being just that really thick plasticky sticker yeah even the packing peanuts right there's i think packing you guys peanuts, i remember yes. you guys when you guys first came out you came with the ones where you just put water and it just yeah, dissolves they're them cornstarch and, yeah they're great it's fun to do that with the kids like yeah. seriously yes. if you take them we used to make crafts out of them i mean yeah. the kids were little not of ua product but, but you take the, the peanut you dip it in water and you stick it to each other you can make stuff out of them yeah. you know or oh, you that's put, cool that's yeah. smart yeah. yeah you put them in the sink and watch them go it's like a little, little i'm gonna be doing that now yeah make little aminals out of them um so okay so we talked about tweezers and we talked about Premates, but you were, I interrupted you before you were about to move into a third topic. So maybe you could, uh, oh. if, I don't know if you remember what the third. I do. Okay. It was, it's the fun one. It's design. Like what trends are we seeing in that? And so what I've been seeing is I'm seeing a lot of natural lashes coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy cow, am I seeing natural lashes coming in? And even with premades, you can get a natural look. I think that's great. So I know for the longest I built a clientele who, very few people wore over like a 10 millimeter length. Mm. So I'm loving to see it, you yeah. know, because it's just like, ah, nice. Or, you know, then I would start having clients who would come back after like two, three weeks and they're like, I like how they look now. 
So they're wanting that more natural, airy, fluttery look. They're not always wanting it to be as super dark. So we're starting to see a big trend to that. Of course, we're seeing all the expansion in the wet lash looks. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing like just wet lash in general, wet lash with spikes, like all of the these anime lashes things. that people are doing. The anime lashes. Yeah. Those are so cool. Yeah. I love the look of those. I don't know if I could ever be good to apply them. I'm like, I don't know if I could have that skill set, but they look super, super cute. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see. I just think it's funny because I joked with Tuss that we were in the Hunger Games for a while, I thought with lashes. And I was like, but this is like anything. It's not going to stay this way. I know some people are like, no, volume is always going to be this. I'm like, "Mm, when were you born? Because if you look at beauty trends, we're still not doing the same thing in beauty we did in 1970. Everyone right now looks at the 80s for the most part goes, ugh. I would never, like, our kids hate the 80s. I'm like, man, the 80s were jamming. What are you talking about? It was awesome. Well, when we were kids, it was like the 70s. Everyone was like, ah, it's so gross. Like, bell bottoms. I mean, they were like the butt of everybody's jokes. And then they're cool again. No way. Or even this. So funny. The mullet. The mullet. Mullet's back. And you know what? People back 10 years ago were looking at pictures in the 90s because I had a mullet. And people were laughing, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe anyone would wherever wear a mullet. I call it my soccer dude because mullet did, was not. I don't think They didn't people, call it mullet. They didn't call it mullet the day. Mullet was, I think, retroactively thrown on those names, that hairstyle. But now I see people walking around going, wait, dude, that's you're wearing a mullet. I thought that's not cool. Wow. And people were like, no, man, it's cool now. It's all cool. No, so. we were at the Naha Awards. Oh, that's right. Hairdressers, right? It's the Academy Awards for hairdressers, and there were a lot of mullets. Yeah, mullets are in. On women, too? Yeah, women mullet, too. On women, too. I I mean, honestly, the takeaway is find the style of lashing you like, offer it. Do what you like. You know, if you like big of all and you like natural sets, whatever it is, you're going to find that clientele. It's same with your style. That's the thing about it. You will find your tribe. I think that's the cool thing. If you want to rock a mullet forever and always, even when it's out of style, you do you, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My problem is I can't do it anymore. It's so sad. No more. You too could do it. You could have fake hair. Uh, That's true. There's nothing wrong with fake hair. All right, Amory, here's our ongoing question. We ask everyone, would you laugh at me if all of a sudden I showed up, let's say in Austin and at the show and I had hair? Would you just be like, Paul, what? I mean, would hmm. or would you just be like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, you can you can me, be honest. I'd probably here. be like pretty intrigued. I'd be like, wow. How do you grow See, hair? I think <laughs> but I wouldn't looked- really like be like, Oh my gosh, Paul, you have hair. Like that's the probably not me because I know everyone's like kind of doing different journeys. It's like Okay. I don't know. Okay. Like all of a sudden I've got lips and you know, like people are gonna come up and be like, Oh, you got lips from across the room? Please shh. No. I was thinking that to myself. You look great. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, like, you look like 14 years old. You look so youthful. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, uh, great. So, I don't know. I think it, people would adjust, but we're like used to seeing you without hair. So. Exactly. But then again, if Tussany became blonde, we would all be like, whoa. Mm, right? Yeah. So, same thing. If you, if the hair looks good, Paul, nobody's going to say anything. People are like, you look great. And even if you say it's yeah, fake, true. who cares if it looks good? Now, if it looks really bad, I mean, they might like do this like face service and then be like, oh, sh- 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 sh. well, that's the She's problem. Like, it, it, it probably will look bad. That's no, the well, thing. well, She's like, not going to let you get I'm bad quality hair. I'm not going to let you, you get really? bad quality hair. <laughs> <laughs> will not. Not going to happen under your watch. Anyhow, so but back to the lashes. I'm actually, we're very happy to see the classic style come back. I mean, classic, I think will always be around just like classic dresses, classic styles. Those never go out of style. They're always safe, like especially for your older clients. I think older clients will always lean natural. There are some, we have tough that some who are just like the biggest and most crazy lashes ever, but overall, generally that's speaking. And um, so I think, like you said, 
for those of you who've been in the closet for the last five years going, oh, I've been doing my classic or doing my traditional, very classical looking lashes. I'm happy to finally be able to come out and express myself again. I think be encouraged. Yes, the crazy styles will come back, but you can stay true to you and do your style and not worry about what the trends are. And trends are fun, but they don't have to define you. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm just Anyhow. sitting here soaking it in. I'm like, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's been delightful talking to you. Yeah. Daughter. No, it's been fun. And you guys as well. we definitely will have to do it again sometime. We're going to see you just in a couple of weeks. At the yes, last I'm looking forward Summit, to it. Which I think by the time this comes out, the ticket sales will have closed. But it seems like Shelby's done amazing. Like, I think it's, yes. she's, uh, there's going to be about two, 300 people or more or something like that. Mm. It's going to be, it's going to be big. Yeah, that is pretty big. It's pretty cool. I got to go to the hotel, see where it's at, see the street where we're going to take everyone. She's going to take everyone around like bar hopping. I requested add an ice cream stop because priorities. So, yes. you know, if you're going, guys, find me. We're going to get ice cream. All right. Awesome. <laughs> what should so, we wear? Yeah, it's going to be so What should fun. we wear? It's going to be warm. Oh, it'll be hot. Hot. Oh, really? It'll be hot. Yeah. Right. It'll definitely be hot. So I think like a cute little dress, like, I like hot at great. night too. Some shorts. Yeah. It does stay pretty humid and warm. So it definitely doesn't get cool like California oh, at yeah. night. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. We, we're done with cold, by the way. It's been three months. <laughs> uh, California, this is the coldest winter we've ever had. I can remember. Coldest and wettest. It's been 40, really? 50 degrees every day for like three months. And that mm -mm. I can't remember the last time it was like that, even right now, it's only 59 degrees. And I mean, it's for us, this is like summertime almost. So it's been a crazy year for us. So we can't wait. It's really kind of fun to get to go hang out with everyone. So um, if I'm supposed to say, if you want to buy tickets, but unfortunately, I'm pretty sure the tickets are done selling and Shelby will have to catch you next year in Austin. I think it's going to be a huge success and Shelby will bring it back. Me too. It's so, at Lash Boss Summit. Yeah, in Austin, Texas. And it's the 23rd, 24th, I think, or something like that, of April. I forget. It doesn't matter. 22nd, 23rd. What do you mean it doesn't right? matter? Something of course like it matters. Well, I mean, because they can't buy tickets yeah. at this point. They can just go online and watch and have fun. for them. Or, <laughs> or just come to LashCon and uh, catch the second half of the year. I, that's, I think, the, the better answer would be like, no, no, don't worry about it. You, we got a second <laughs> round to come and hang out. If yeah. you missed it. So, anyhow, where can people find you? And then you, Tussie, it's called you Tussie. I'm sorry. No, don't, don't be calling me that. Don't call Tussie that. Her name is Tussie or Tuss, not Tussie. That's what Woo. I met her uh -oh. when, when we first uh, were just friends. Her name was Tussie. Anyhow, where can they find you? And since we pushed, we got out of you, coerced you into a discount code. <laughs> Oh, well, of course, there's a discount code. Yes. So um, you can find Untamed Artistry on Instagram at untamed.artistry. Of course, our website, untamedartistry.com. That will show you guys a bit about our sustainability journey, our innovation journey as well. And you can check out everything that we're working towards. And then for me, I'm at annemarie.pro on Instagram. And uh, discount code, I'm going to do lashcast15. All right, Ooh, 15 percent off. 15 off anything. So been waiting to try out some of those uh, promades. Yeah, definitely the promades. Mm. Go get you get 15 percent off the promades right now. I think that sounds like a great plan. Well, thanks so much, Emery. It's been a blessing, and love hanging out with you. And can't wait to see you in person again soon. All right, sounds good. guys that's a wrap we are done we are out of here thank you so much for hanging out with us today i want to ask you to please follow us on instagram at lashcast and at the last conference and remember to subscribe share and review on behalf of my lash balloon tusney as well as our special guest amory i want to thank you for taking some time to listen keep on lashing and remember you have a friend in the lash industry